0: Hello and welcome back to the More Sport Better Podcast. I'm your host, DD, and joining you today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we'll be talking about the F1 Azerbaijan GP. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready opinions, and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant. Uh well Charles the Clerk said it hurt a lot. <laughs> for him. How much did it hurt for you?
1: Well, you know, what can I say? I mean, we 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 knew that Ferrari might struggle and they might go back to their old ways, right? <laughs> and we were expecting that. But not that much, not that much. I think it's I mean, being being Ferrari fans, we are always cautious, right? In our <laughs> hopes and expectations. But this is a bit too much.
0: Uh, Yeah, and uh, technical DNFs, that too, you know, Uh, Ferrari was trying to pull a strategic masterstroke after seeing that they didn't have the outright pace during the race, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but the engines kind of geared, which is kind of weird, you know, uh, because uh, Ferrari was on top of reliability at the start of the season, and it's just gone south ever since, Uh, and it wasn't just two of the Ferraris that double DNF'd in terms of engine, there were four engine issues across the grid for Ferrari uh, during the race, so... So a lot for Matias Binotto to talk about, but you know the double double DNF for Ferrari has, uh, has allowed Red Bull uh, to extend their championship championship lead to 80 points. Uh, most likely, um, maybe Charles might get a penalty this upcoming race in Canada. I'm not sure uh, for his uh, third power unit. Um, but yeah, Red Bull haven't put a foot wrong uh, ever. I mean, after their couple DNFs early in the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- both the Red Bulls won two, right? And I think this this is the first time Red Bull have won two in the Drivers' Championship since I think it was twenty eleven or yeah, twenty eleven when Seb and Mark Webber were won two. But even though, even though they even though they won four championships after that, they were never won two. But it's it's great to see Red Bull won two, and it's I think it's great to see. Sergio Perez in the form that he is right now and actually pushing uh, you know Max Verstappen and beating Max Verstappen at some po- at some points but yeah
0: especially in qualifying yeah you know, usually Absolutely. you don't associate qualifying with Sergio Perez but uh, he's been on fire you know he, he was ahead of Max Verstappen in Monaco and now uh, in, uh, in Azerbaijan in, uh, yeah. too. But what the heck happened with Sergio Perez during the race? Why was he so much slower than Max Verstappen having been faster than him in all conditions throughout uh, the race weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's surprising. There hasn't been any sort of explanation for it. He just said that we lost a bit of pace and had a bad stop or something. But yeah, it. I mean, it was strange because even even though Max was faster and you know you you may swap places if you have a faster teammate behind but at the end of the day I think Sergio Perez was more than 10 seconds behind Max Verstappen so that was yeah, he, he, quite yeah, a lot he
0: was a, yeah I mean g- given Sergio per, Perez's space, you know it, w- it would have been an easy 2-3-4 uh, uh, Ferrari at Azerbaijan if not a 1-3 or something like that um, yeah so I'm disheartening that. Uh, but let's let's uh, take it back to you know Ferrari and Mateo Benotto's comments before um, before the weekend. So the first thing that came out of Mateo Benotto was his comment that they weren't Ferrari wasn't really looking to mount a title challenge coming into the season. They were just trying to be competitive and win a few races, which seemed a bit odd given like at the start of the season. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if he ever if he exactly said that they were trying to ch- t- uh, challenge for the title. But they obviously said, you know, let's let's see what happens in the title. But they never said, you know, that was not our aim. Uh, I mean, they they definitely have exceeded expectations in terms of what we were expecting of them coming into the season. But to say that now is a bit... Uh, I, I'm not sure what it says about uh, what's going on at Ferrari at the moment.
1: Yeah, it definitely was odd. And I mean, Ferrari, even before the season started, even in 2021, they were the first team... come out and say that we will start working on 2022 as early as possible right so I think with that mindset and Ferrari coming in and saying that you know we, we weren't looking to fight for the championship it's a bit odd and especially being a team like Ferrari and the years that have gone by they really I mean one would assume that a team like Ferrari would have the ambition to Win championships right away in the new era, right?
0: So not yeah. just that, but the fact that they they are in the mix or they really were at least before this race. Uh, and to say that before the race, uh, it just seems like you know they, they're almost not giving their best. And uh, w- which which is not true in my opinion. But you know it, the words don't really reflect uh, the passion or the motivation. You know that that should have come through, I guess, uh, for a team that is involved in a championship fight. Um, and, uh, and again, I think, I think the one other, uh, thing that I want to, uh, just mention here that is not related to this is, uh, Matthew Binotto was not very happy about the new FIA appointment. I think, uh, I'm not, I don't remember the name or the position, but basically, uh, this person has links to Mercedes. Um, but I, 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 don't think it's going to make a huge difference. You know, when, uh, Stefano Domenicali took over as president of the, F, uh, of F1, um, he, Uh, It was the same conversation there, but we've seen that, you know, there's nothing that has happened uh, that would point to Stefano being uh, partial to Ferrari or any of the other teams that he might have worked with in the past.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, these are huge professionals, you know, these are great, great professionals and there's obviously a gardening period that all of them have to serve before moving between... Uh, uh, team and the administration so as long as the gardening period has been served there can't be any complaints from anyone in, on the paddock.
0: yeah the last thing that i have about ferrari and red bull is their philosophy now ferrari have ha- have uh, kept the philosophy where you know they have a car that is really good in the corners especially out of the corners whereas red bull is really good in in the slow speed corners uh not accelerating out of the corners but really good in the straight lines also uh, and it seems that philosophy hasn't really worked out for Ferrari in uh, comparison to what Red Bull have been trying. And I'm kind of surprised that uh, Ferrari haven't tried to, you know, uh, depart from what they've been doing and try something different uh, so far to be able to keep the Red Bull at bay or to be able to come back and attack the Red Bull. Uh, because even even at a place like Azerbaijan, once Charles Gluck got, uh, you know, overtaken, it didn't seem like he had the pace at all over the next one or two laps to come back at Max Verstappen. Uh, I know the tires play a lot in that, which, which is another point that, you know, the Red Bull is much kinder on its tires, and the Ferrari is really struggling compared to that. Um, and it's making it difficult for, you know, Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz to come back once they are overtaken. Um, so, really interesting to see that Ferrari haven't really changed their philosophy. Obviously, it allows Red Bull, like, to have better pace during the race, but Ferrari's pace in qualifying is, again, just scintillating. So, this it's a weird back-and-forth throughout the weekend, but at, at the end, whatever Ferrari is doing is not working for them to, like, you know, get the points home, which is what really matters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can't... Firstly, if you can't finish the race, there's no point in, you know, being on pole in, on Saturday. But absolutely, I think race pace is much more important in terms of the larger picture. You know, in in Monaco, you might say that qualifying is important, in, but... In the, larger picture, in the larger picture, race pace is definitely more important because that brings you the points. And yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about the different philosophies of the two cars. But I think Ferrari does have a lot to learn. I mean, they brought out their first upgrade so late into the season, right? And then their engine upgrade has failed to pay off any dividends and actually cost them a lot more. So there's a lot... I mean Ferrari have an uphill battle now to come back to even even terms with Red Bull.
0: Um yeah and, and talking about that it's interesting that Ferrari has a or is taking the more you know um conservative approach if you want to put it like that where uh, they're trying to still understand the car get the best out of it and not bring too many upgrades along with the cost cap and everything else right whereas Red Bull has been really pushing for the upgrades even with the cost cap in there uh and ma- We have heard from Mate Benotto that um, it is impossible to bring as many upgrades as Red Bull are bringing to every race, Uh, you know, how fast they're developing. And uh, Red Bull has called for more funds or, you know, uh, a a cost cap extension, basically, um, because uh, Christian Hanna felt that the teams won't be able to complete throughout the 23 races by the end of the year. So I I wonder if there is something there, too, uh, um, that, that we that neither mather Binotto nor Christian horner can really talk about or say because they don't have the holistic p- picture but uh, maybe the fia which is or the part of the fia which is tracking the expenses of these teams uh, might have a greater insight um, obviously i don't think they're going to release the information but even a qualitative article on on the same might be an interesting read i believe
1: yeah absolutely i mean but, but talking about cost caps williams broke the cost cap last season uh, but
0: they didn't break the cost cap they they just didn't meet the deadline for uh, submission of pay, you know, the paperwork so uh, okay. it, it uh, wasn't uh, a financial yeah. fault it was a administrative fault
1: yeah so I, maybe i did not read that properly but yeah i mean it was surprising to see that williams were involved in some sort of cost cap controversy but yeah, yeah moving on
0: <laughs> but yeah let's let's uh, move away from ferrari and red bull you know uh, let's talk about uh, the other team that did not do a double DNF, but instead got double points. Uh, and that is Alpine, uh, double points for Alpine as Alonso spoils qualifying for <laughs> quite a few. Yeah. Uh, that was an angry Alex Albon on the radio after <laughs> <laughs> after that session. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Alonso knows how to play by the rules. Uh, and uh, if, if if you know, if there is something that Max Verstappen and Lewis Hammond can learn still from Fernando Alonso is how to really, really, you know, uh, <laughs> skim the rules. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that is one thing that they can learn. But, you know, I I, I thought Alonso drove a great race, similarly with on on uh, and just bringing home those crucial points for a team like Alpine. And Alpine seemed to be on the up. They were the fastest car in the speed trap at the end of the straight, I believe.
1: Yeah, the straight line speed Alpine is bringing is... I mean, it's insane. And given on that Baku... What
0: the... Yeah... Sorry? I I said said Monza will be interested. Monza, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, right. And I mean, that's what I was going to say, right, you know, given that Baku is a, what, two-kilometre-long streak or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was their backyard, per se. So, yeah, double points. And for, for once, Alonso was, Alonso outscored Ocon in this season. I believe I mean
0: he, he's been driving very well you know it's just that he hasn't been as lucky he, I, I also did outscore uh, Esteban and uh, Monaco too you know uh, yeah well
1: I didn't watch Monaco pro- I didn't watch okay. Monaco at all yeah
0: but yeah I mean uh, yeah. anyway uh, moving on uh Porpo-Singh drama uh, is back obviously drivers have been complaining and Lewis Hamilton was very vocal about uh, you know uh, his back pain this weekend. Uh, and uh, But very interesting comments from Christian Horner and Toto Wolf. Obviously, Toto Wolf coming out in support of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, but Christian Horner coming out and saying that, you know, if I was a team principal, even I would ask my driver to complain over the radio as much as possible to make this a bigger issue. But we've seen other drivers also come out and, you know, talk about poppicing and how it is affecting them and what the consequences could be, uh, yeah. you know, long term. So there, there is definitely something there. Uh, what I believe is going to happen is uh, none of these comments really matter, except that uh, you know the rule changes that will be made will probably just like whatever rule changes are made technically for uh, you know the pauposing uh, that we have will only affect the 2026 rules and regulations. I doubt there's going to be anything else that's going to happen in the interim uh, between today uh, and the 2026 uh, you know technical regulation overhaul
1: yeah i mean they can't bring something very big in like in the middle of a technical package right but they may try to you know bring in some small up some small things here and there i don't know i'm not i I mean i'm not an engineer so i don't know that but I, i mean the surprising thing for me is that well it's not surprising anymore but mercedes are suffering the worst right we know that and mercedes have been the most vocal so even though even though the other drivers are vocal as well as long as they are not suffering as bad as mercedes are as long as it's i mean if it's way worse if three or four teams are literally falling apart there might be some intervention right but if there's only one team which is struggling to, you know, counter that effect and the other teams are
0: somewhat controlling it, there is no way there's going to be any change. I mean, yeah, I mean, the only, I mean, there's two parts of it. One, yes, the sport needs to do um, something to, you know, uh, help everyone out, basically. Uh, and the second part is that Mercedes just need needs to take care of its drivers and uh, run a car that is slower than what it, what uh, it, what it actually is with all that poppicing. yeah so there's there's definitely two parts. one is like obviously where the team is taking uh, you know the initiative and the second is uh where the sport as a whole is taking an initiative which is which is going to take time and uh, that i feel that's how it should be for any problem you know um, having a knee jerk reaction in formula 1 does not usually work from what we've seen so far uh but very interesting from uh, christian horner and toto wolf we'll see how how that um, <laughs> how I that mean, uh, builds
1: Toto wolf even said that Lewis Hamilton may have to miss out the race in Montreal but I, I don't mm. see that happening
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. that, that now that is definitely exaggeration like Christian honor pointed out uh, you know yeah. uh, and also like these teams have you know um, if the issue was really so big I believe you know for like from a health perspective these guys have you know uh, access to the best physios the best uh, kinesiologists The best doctors, they would have identified it by now and reported it to the FIA if that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Obviously, you know, you won't know everything, you know, the effects, the long-term consequences now, but uh, whatever they would have learned or known or understood, they would have, you know, communicated it to the FIA and uh, uh, tried to ward off the issue. But anyway, let's move forward. Um, Sebastian Vettel uh, scores some great points as Lance (laughs) trolls himself uh, throughout (laughs) the weekend. Uh, that's a real tongue twister, but uh, what a drive from Sebastian Vettel, you know. Uh, definitely loves Baku, and especially in that Aston Martin, he seems to come alive there. But what is going on with the Lance Troll? What is going out go, going on with that man?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We have we have asked that question way too many times now, and I mean, I mean, there is no answer hey. to it, right? He, the the he,
0: way the way I put it is, and I've said this before, nothing against Lance Stroll. He's, he's, he's had some really good performances over the last few years, once every 10 races or so. Uh, but if La, if Lawrence Stroll wants to build a championship winning team, he can't have his son driving for him. Exactly. That is the bottom line. Exactly. That is the bottom line.
1: Exactly. And I mean, we have seen Lance Stroll on the front row. We have seen Lance Stroll on the podium. And he, he drives well. He drives. He's in Formula 1. Yes, it may be because of his the bagging that he has, but he has stayed in Formula 1 and he has scored points in Formula 1 and performed relatively well in Formula 1. So, obviously, there's no question about his driving as a whole. But, yeah, I think he, he has some, you know, he has a lot of ups and downs in his form, which is rare to see in Formula 1. You either see a driver struggling like, like Ricciardo or you see a driver on the top of his form like you know Pierre Gasly or Max Verstappen and a few odd races here and there, right? But you you won't you in Formula One you never see three bad races, then three good races, then three bad races. So that's a catch well, with Lance Don't true. tell
0: don't tell Carlos signs about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah I, I, I get what you're trying to say. Um I was just scrolling through um, uh, Twitter and I think I saw a post from WTF1 that says uh, Piastri 2023 deal may be closed. Where do you think he's going? <laughs> we, we don't have enough time to cover the entire Sully season, which I would love to. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... We'll, just, we'll, just we'll, do, we'll
1: do that someday. But, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think... I don't see Piastri coming over to Alpine because I think Fernando Alonso may stay for another couple of seasons. Oh, he's definitely staying. He's right, definitely staying. because... He's driving well. The team likes how uh, the like. And the, Alonso is enjoying it. Alonso right. is enjoying it, and the team the team loves his performances, so he's staying. And Alpine already have one junior driver in a different team, right? So it's going to be very interesting to see where Piastri goes. There were some suggestions that Piastri might go to Williams, but that would mean either Albon goes or Latifi goes. I don't see Albon going. So that means Latifi goes, but Latifi has the backing. So, I mean, it's it's anybody's guess now where uh, where Oscar Piastri might come in twenty twenty three, might race in twenty twenty three, but hopefully he does in Formula One and somewhere competitive.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and talking about twenty twenty three, Kyalami deal may be close to from the reports that we've been seeing recently. Uh, and uh, F1 might be returning to Kailami next year, which means an even bigger calendar. We didn't get a 23 <laughs> race, record-breaking calendar this year, but we might just get a 24 race, record-breaking calendar for next year. Uh, thoughts? Kailami,
1: race in Africa, race in
0: South Africa, great.
1: 24 races, 23 races in the calendar, not so great. But I mean, I I think I think with Kalami coming on the calendar, every single person on the grid would be happy because of the inclusion it brings in, because of a new continent, a race in Africa and all these things, the PR that it brings in. And the new circuit in Kalami, the upgrade like I think in early two thousand or early two thousand tens they revamped the circuit and made it Proper for FIA Grade Two. All they had to do. All they have to do now is make it FIA Grade One, right? So it's definitely a great circuit, and it's definitely going to be a big, big event in South
0: Africa. Yeah, my only thought is hopefully tickets are cheap. Uh, well, I,
1: I, I think they would be. I think they would be given the you know. The given the economy well, not,
0: not, not just the race you know the, uh, the tickets to the race but also the tickets to go to South Africa
1: yeah well that's <laughs> another point <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah uh, well that's all from my side Vidana is there anything else that you would like to uh, talk about before we wrap up this podcast
1: uh, well nothing much from my side but yeah I mean I think Ferrari needs to you know get their act together right now because at this rate, Red Bull will run away with the title and Ferrari will stay in P2. And I think well, their customer teams are getting a little bit frustrated.
0: <laughs> they'll be fine. <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that is why we need Sergio Perez to do well. I think I saw tweet, I saw someone tweet um, that uh, so Mexico is the only country to boast... Uh, Formula 1 race winner, an IndyCar race winner, and a NASCAR race winner this year. Ah,
1: right. I didn't know about NASCAR,
0: so, but yeah. So, I think Daniel Suarez won uh, this past weekend. But yeah, thank you, Vidan for talking about F1 with me once again. It's been a pleasure, and as always, we'll catch you on the next one.